James chapter 1. My brother, remind me again. Remind me your name again. Spell for me. Franz. Franz just got here December 3rd. Uh, is that right? What's that? Oh, January 3rd. Not December, January. And just a few days ago from the Philippines. And uh, so since he's the newest person, uh, you pick on him. And I uh, know it's good to, good to have him with us. He's from uh, Negros. And uh, thanks for coming. And I'm glad you found us going to Nate. And uh, isn't that wonderful? You can travel all the way around the world and uh, find believers uh, to gather with. And sometimes I think about the reality of uh, the need of our world. A lot of places you could travel to and you could search and search and search and search and you'd find no group of believers. I say that to our shame as Christians tonight. And praise the Lord for the opportunity we have, though, to, to worship and fellowship. We've been looking in the book of James on our Wednesday night Bible studies. And we're going to go back to James 1 tonight. And we, we started there several weeks ago on our Wednesday nights, but I want to look at a few truths that we, we kind of touched on, um, but I want to focus on them specifically tonight as we talk about removing the roadblocks to answered prayer. Removing the roadblocks to answered prayer. James 1 verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and it braideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we worship you, we praise you. We thank you for what you've done this day and this week. We thank you for your blessings, your mercies that are new every morning. And Lord, tonight we come to you asking for help. Lord, you promise never to leave us nor forsake us. You promise to lead us and guide us in all truth by your Spirit. And Lord, tonight I pray that you would lead us and you would guide us. Lord, I pray that as we examine this thought of answered prayer, Lord, we would allow you to remove those roadblocks that not we have, you have placed, but that we have placed. And Lord, that we would stop hindering the work that you want to do. That we would rather yield to your purpose for us. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless this evening. Lord, I thank you for your work in our hearts already today. Lord, I pray you continue that work by your spirit through your word. Help me, Lord, preach right your truth. Lord, I need you. Lord, as well, I pray for our young people tonight. I pray for the ladies as they minister to them. Lord, I pray that you would work mightily in their hearts. God, I pray you would use them. Lord, may you be glorified. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Dr. John R. Rice, not my relation, by the way. Dr. Rice only had daughters. Dr. Rice... Dr. Rice is like me. His name died with him. But Dr. Rice made the statement, it's God's nature 
it's God's nature to hear and answer prayer. That is the nature of God. God wants to answer your prayer. Amen. That's the reality of Scripture we see over and over again. Now, that means if prayer is not answered, now let's, let's get on the same page here tonight a little bit. Understand when I say God wants to answer our prayer, that does not mean that God wants to do whatever you say. God is not your magic genie that you rub his bottle and say, I command you. We don't command the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't care what the charismatics try to teach and pervert. Uh, we do not command Christ. You do not command devils. We, we rather pray. And God answers our prayer, sometimes with yes, sometimes with no, sometimes with wait. But I believe tonight we see, and we're going to talk about some reasons for some roadblocks that would hinder God from giving you the answer that he wants to give, meeting the need sometimes that I believe God wants to meet, but we cause a problem. If our prayers are not answered, then we need to seek the reason. And by the way, our prayers not being answered doesn't mean we don't get what we want. How many of you ever worked on a car before? Automobile. Nowadays, you know, if you don't have a scanner... It's pretty tough to work on a vehicle. But in the good old days, you could check a vehicle. Brother Joel, Brother Joel's a mechanic. Uh, he'll tell you I'm almost on the right page here. But in the good old days, you know, if a car wasn't running, there was just a few things it could be. First thing you do is check and see if it's got spark. Check, make sure your spark plugs are sparking. Make sure everything's working there. If you got spark, then you got to see if you got fuel. Now, one of those two things had to be the problem. Now, you got to see which one of the 1,700 computers and sensors uh, are not talking to one another and, and get them to talk to one another again, and, and maybe, just maybe, you'll get it running again. But in the good old days, it was, you know, you have air and you have gas and spark. As long as you got those things are coming in, uh, you'd find the problem of what the issue was. As we think of prayer, we need to find the issue. When prayer isn't working, and by that I mean whenever God is not able to answer our prayer, we need to find out what the problem is. Why aren't our prayers answered? I'm going to give you just five simple things. There could be multiple things, but I'm going to focus just on five, five different barricades. Five different things that I believe we see very plainly, and I believe you'll have to agree in Scripture tonight, we see very plainly, that are the main culprits of our prayers not being answered. Number one, hindrance number one tonight is failing to ask or asking wrongly. Failing to ask or asking wrongly. Look, if you will, at James 4, 2 and 3. You lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have, ye cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Yes, not. James 4.3, ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, 
that ye may consume it upon your lust. Matthew 7 tells us, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth. And he that findeth seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. So how does a Christian ask? The Bible speaks here. We have not because we ask not. We ask not. So how do we ask? As we see the word there in verse 3 of James 4, ask amiss. Four different connotations with that word, ask amiss. Number one, to ask out of place or to ask wrongly. To ask amiss or to ask wrongly. Luke 23, verse 41, And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing Amiss. Ask and amiss also means to ask perversely or to pervert what we ought to ask for. Second Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 37. Yet if they bethink themselves in the land, whether they are carried captive, and turn and pray unto thee in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned and done amiss. We have dealt Wickedly, sometimes our asking is amiss, it's wrong, it's wicked. We ask for that which we should not ask for, or we don't ask at all. In Daniel chapter 3, the Bible says, Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss, here in Daniel, it speaks of to do an error or rashness, amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, shall be cut in pieces. Now, I want you to listen to this. This is, this is pretty serious. This is, they shall be cut in pieces. Their houses shall be made a dunghill. Caleb and I were talking this afternoon about dung. We had a long discussion, a dung discussion. Uh, Caleb does custom farming, which means he has to haul and, and spread and uh, move, uh, dung. Uh, we were discussing the, the virtues and smells of different animals' dungs, and we decided chickens. Chickens are the worst. That was our decision, and we're sticking with it. Uh, but their houses will be made a dunghill. They're cut in pieces. If that wasn't enough, their houses will be made a dunghill. And then it goes on because there is no other God that can deliver after the sort. Now, that's pretty serious. I mean, it wasn't a don't do that again. When they ask us here, they were cut in pieces and their houses turned out a dunghill. Pretty serious. Number four, this matter of asking amiss is to ask evil or wickedly. That's the meaning we see there in James chapter 4. So in other words, if I ask for something that is wrong, God's not going to give it to me. It's not going to happen. It'd be like the little child that gets up in the morning, says, Mommy, can I have breakfast? And the mother says, Of course you can have breakfast. Mommy, can I have ice cream for breakfast? How many of you eat ice cream for breakfast? Nobody? How many of you wish you could eat ice cream for breakfast? There we go. I see that hand right there. Uh, now, as much as you might want ice cream for breakfast, I guarantee you if Cyprus the morning says, Mommy, can I have ice cream for breakfast? No. 
And Cyprus goes, you don't love me. If you love me, you give me ice cream for breakfast. And I'm going to tell her. We'll talk about it later. No. No, she doesn't give it to her because she does love her. It's the wrong thing. She said, no, i got to give the ice cream to Pastor Rice. That's what she has to do. But we understand one of the reasons we don't get answers to prayer is, number one, we just don't pray. And I believe that's one of the biggest problems we have in Christianity today is we don't pray. We, we, we don't speak to God. We, we don't communicate with God. We don't ask God, and prayer is asking. We, we don't ask God, and if we do ask God, we ask Him for that. We ask for the wrong thing. We ask for the complete wrong thing. We ask that we may consume it upon our own lust. By the way, it's wicked to pray for our own self-gratification or self-pleasure if it's not the will of God. Dr. Torrey, R.A. Torrey said, if we ask any petition merely that we may receive something to use on our pleasure, our own gratification in one way or another, we ask amiss and need not expect to receive what we ask for. Asking amiss. One of the reasons our prayers are not answered is because we ask for the wrong thing and we pray asking without the purpose of the prayer being for the glory of God. Everything we do, by the way, even in prayer, is to be for the glory of God. Selfishness doesn't bring glory to God. Uh, we understand that everything we pray for in every aspect, it should be that God might be glorified. But God wants to hear our prayer, wants to answer our prayer. You know, everything we do, that's why the, uh, the false tongues movement, the charismatic movement today is so far off base. Even if it was for today, can I tell you that the way it is portrayed uh, in that movement is about self. It's about glorifying self. It's not for the purpose of glorifying God. The same is true for prayer. We pervert prayer when we think prayer is about us. It's about God. Much of Christianity goes around daily living in a world of unanswered prayer because we either don't ask God or we ask wrongly. The number one barricade is asking wrongly or asking amiss. Number two, hindrance number two tonight or barricade to answer prayer is neglecting the Bible. Neglecting the Bible. I had to do something this morning that I... Almost never, ever, 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 ever do. Brother Maud, you're going to be amazed by this. I brushed my hair. I can't believe you're laughing at me. I was talking to my wife this week. I was noticing my hair. I don't have much hair. But my hair decides it just wants to kind of stand up. I told her, I said, I look like a homeless person. I said, I've got to, I got to cut my hair. She said, no, my wife, does, my wife wants me to have... What, fuzz. She likes my fuzz. She calls it fuzz. You know, she doesn't call me the Fonz. It's the fuzz. Uh, but this morning, I was I was thinking about cutting my hair, and I thought, ah, I'll cut it later. And I told her, I said, you're not going to believe what I had to do. I had to brush my hair. I was trying to get my hair to lay down. It's just standing up. Uh, I can't wait till it all falls out. I'm going to go to the bowling alley once a month and just buff it really good. I'll look like uh, uh, Kojak. But 
I had to brush it down. It was standing up. Why? Because I haven't cut it. I need to, well, my wife doesn't think so, but I, I need to cut it down. I need to uh, trim it. Can I tell you, often we neglect, we neglect prayer. We neglect also the Word of God. And when we neglect the Word of God, when weeds begin to grow in the garden of our relationship with His Word, it shows in the garden of our relationship and our speaking with Him. How many of you have ever been on the phone, the cell phone, and you've been talking to someone, maybe you've been telling them a story, and you talk for a long time, and you get to the end, and you go, hello? Hello? And you realize there was nobody there, and you just talked for God knows how long to nobody? You ever had that conversation? I've had that conversation. I do that because once in a while, I want an intelligent conversation. And I have to call them back. Oh, I, I didn't realize you weren't there. I, if you keep talking to a phone with no one there, you're going to hang it up. You're not going to keep that conversation going. The same is true in your relationship with God. God talks to you through his book. Amen. Amen. That's how God talks to you. He doesn't talk to you through dreams. He doesn't talk to you through a vision. He talks to you through the word of God. Amen. That's it. And if you don't let him talk to you, can I put forward tonight that you're not going to talk to him much either? And when we neglect the word of God, it puts a barricade to our prayer. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 9, he that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, this, this word is a law, even his prayer, God says even his prayer will be an abomination, an abomination. Why is our prayer not answered? Sometimes because we're neglecting the word of God. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. When I'm abiding in his word, puts me in a place where God is able to answer my prayer. But when I neglect the word of God, when I neglect it, that's whenever we have a hindrance to prayer. Probably not any stronger way to diagnose unanswered prayer than to ask the question, have I been spending time in the Word of God? Or have I been turning away? Have I been turning away from hearing the law? Romans 10 says, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Salvation does not grant the privilege of commanding God to fulfill an obligation. Don't miss that statement. Salvation does not get, grant the privilege of commanding God to fulfill an obligation, but rather asking him to perform his will in our life. What we want to do is tell God to do our will and put his stamp of approval on it. We want God to, to second our vote of what we want. You know, we understand we don't command him. We don't go outside his teaching and truth. We fuel the fire of prayer with this word. I'm from the southern U.S. I grew up in West Virginia. In my home, we heated with a wood-burning stove, similar to one Brother Jim, similar to the one Brother Jim and Ruby have in their home. That's how we heated our house. 
and our farm there, we cut our own firewood, and we didn't cut the kind of firewood you cut here. <laughs> we didn't cut poplar and spruce and pine and all of that garbage, useless, worthless wood. Uh, we had hardwood. We had oak, cherry, walnut, and we, we cut hardwood, and we'd fill the stove up and well, you fill a stove up with hardwood and close that damper down. I mean, it just it goes for a long time. You ask for the gym, they got to use a lot of wood. Because softwood, the softwood that we have in this part of the world, it burns pretty fast. I didn't realize that several years ago. Several years ago, I went hunting. I had what they call an outfitter's tent. It was an old canvas tent, wall tent. It was originally an Alberta Forestry Services tent that I bought from a drug addict. I don't know if it was stolen or not, but anyway, that's the history of it. And uh, I'm not going to tell the story. But anyway, I got that. I didn't sell them drugs, I promise. But I got that tent, and I got it set up, and I bought, it's called an airtight stove. And uh, the tent had a stove jack in the roof. And the first time I went hunting to stay in that tent, it was nice. You know, you got to, I think it just had three-foot walls on the side, and the peak of the roof in the middle was seven feet. And, we had some cots set up in there, and I had the stove set in the corner, and it was cold, and I was going to build the fire up in that stove, and the firebox of the stove was about maybe twice the size of this monitor speaker, and I had fire going in there. I can build a fire. I had a fire going. I put wood in there. I had built a, I put a damper in it for the gym and the, in the stovepipe, and I turned the damper down. I grew up with a wood-burning stove. I know how to deal with it at night, and I turned the damper down and had it nice and toasty in there. And I went to bed. I climbed in my cot, got in the sleeping bag. I was warm. I was toasty. I wafted off to sleep. I woke up about three hours later. It was cold. Oh, my teeth were chattering. I was shivering. I was shaking. And I'm like, man, the heat went out. What happened? I opened, went after I finally convinced myself to get up, I went over and looked. Jim, all the wood was gone. I wasn't used to that soft wood burning so fast. I thought, man, this is useless. How's a fellow supposed to sleep if he's got to get up every two hours and put wood in the fire? That's when I decided I needed to have a son-in-law. I uh, should have had you back then. I'd put you to, that way I could sleep. But I, the wood burned out. It was gone. You have to keep feeding the stove. Had to keep putting wood in. We had to get a schedule. Okay, you get up, you fill it in a couple hours, I'll fill it. We had to keep putting the wood in the stove. Can I tell you that your time in the Word of God fuels? It fuels the wood for the fire of prayer. And when we neglect this book, ultimately will cause us to neglect our prayer life. And even our prayer, the Bible says, becomes an abomination. Becomes an abomination. You know, when we go to the Bible, we realize... As we read his word, as he speaks to us, we realize we need to speak to him. We're to be meditating. The Bible says, Psalm 1 1, Psalm 1 2, Joshua 1 8. We refrain from diligent study of the word of God, and as we do so, our prayer life falls off. 
Number one reason I believe barricade to prayer is we don't ask or we ask amiss. Number two is we neglect Bible reading. Number three, the third hindrance or third barricade to prayer tonight is wrong husband and wife relations. Relationship. Turn to 1 Peter with me, chapter 3. When my relationships that God has ordained are wrong, it messes up my relationship with Him as well. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 7, Likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and being heirs together the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. Probably one of the biggest reasons that our prayers go unanswered is because we disobey him in his plans for our life. Husbands failure towards their wives. You know, at a wedding, a man and a woman stand and they make vows one to another and they say, I, I pledge or I vow for this or this, for better or for worse. But do we mean it? You know, as long as my wife cooks a good meal, <laughs> as, 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 long, as long as she keeps a clean house, as long as my husband's socks don't stink, you might as well get divorced now because they're going to stink. Uh, we, we have all this misunderstanding and not following through with what God wants. It says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them. Now, that's so simple. But to dwell with is to spend time with. It's not just to say hello to. Uh, it's a connection much deeper than any connection on this earth besides our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're to dwell with them according to knowledge. Where does the knowledge that I need when it comes to my marriage come from? Right here. Right here. When I'm seeking knowledge outside of this, I'm, I'm in trouble because I often deviate away from what God says. But I'm to dwell according to the knowledge God gives me in my right relationship, but so often we get those relationships wrong. And they stay wrong. God, by the way, condemns uh, every aspect of a wrong relationship in marriage. You know, we understand that, we see that, but often we don't live as though we understand it. And our relationships are not right. As a, a husband, you're to be the head of the home. Can I tell you why we have so many women leading today in our culture? It's not the women's fault. It's because men won't lead. It's because men are dropping the role that God made them for. They're not fulfilling it. And there's a wife or a mother that says, okay, I guess I got to fill this role too. It ought not be. It ought not be. We, we see that in Scripture in Genesis. Joshua 24 verse 15 says, And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. 
with the gods which your fathers served that on the other side of the flood of the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. This is Joshua speaking, but notice what he says. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Joshua was a spiritual leader in his home. So often we fail in that area. The protector, the provider. So many scriptures we could look at, but understand tonight that when we get those relationships wrong, when we get them out of place, it causes everything else to get out of place. And we see that as a because of prayer. We're to be giving honor as under the weaker vessel. But it doesn't stop with the husbands. It says, likewise, ye wives, be subject to your own husbands. Why does it say your own husband? There's a problem. Sometimes we want to look at others that we're not as close to with not quite as big of a magnifying glass. And we see others on a higher level because we don't notice the imperfections. I'm not a, I'm not a graphics guy, uh, but the last uh, several weeks we've been having to do a lot of graphic work for the church. And, and by we, I mean I've been making Colton do a lot of graphic work for the church. And uh, no, I've been helping him. We've been working on some stuff. And he's, he's taught me some things. Uh, I've taught him in the, the Pastor Rice School of Driving. He's taught me in graphic design. And I learned about something called a vector. How many of you know what a vector file is? Or a couple of you know what a vector file is? I didn't know what a vector file was. A vector file is a file that basically follows the drawing of whatever the item is. And as you expand that file, it looks just as good in any small or big because it, it follows that pattern. Now, however, if you take a, like a JPEG, most of you are familiar with the JPEG file. It's a picture. Ultimately, it's a bunch of little dots. <laughs> and as you expand that file, eventually it begins to look pixelated. Because you see those little dots. You see it up close and it's like, oh, that's not a good picture. So often, wives, you get a look up close at your husband. And you see not the little pixelated dots, you see all the flaws. And if you're my wife, you see a lot of them. And you look at other people from a distance and they look better. By the way, I look much better from a distance. From a couple miles away, I look really good. But it says your own husband. Because God has made it, ladies, God has made it in you to follow leadership. God created you that way. That's not a flaw. That's a perfect design by God. And the temptation is to seek for a better leader when you see the flaws exposed by the up-close. God has a purpose. The Bible speaks about conversation there in that verse or verbal behavior or talking or to be in subjection. As we think of the husband-wife relationship, when it starts to drift and it starts to get out of order, it starts not to be right, your prayer life isn't going to be right. It becomes a great hindrance to prayer. Number next, number four. The fourth hindrance tonight, or fourth barricade, is unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. 
Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. There's a difference between the Lord, when it says the Lord will not hear me and the Lord cannot hear me. How many of you have a pet? Anybody have a dog? You have a dog. You got Guster, Mr. Gus, who likes to bite me. And uh, Gus loves me, actually. He would come home with me if you would let him. But uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a giant of a dog. He's like this tall. Uh, but I, if Gus is anything like my dog, I'm sure there are times when you tell Gus something and he acts like he can't hear you. Has that ever happened? You know he can hear because as soon as, Tasha, as soon as you start to open some food in the refrigerator, he hears it. He could be 60 miles away. He's going to come in. I remember our dog, Cinnamon, uh, her favorite thing in the world was she loved Carrie would give her the bits of bone out of canned salmon. Now, my wife, by the way, you got to learn to love your wife. When I got married, my wife made salmon patties. Some of you have ever had salmon patties, fried salmon patties. I grew up having fried salmon patties. My wife made fried salmon patties. I took a bite of them, and I said, these don't taste like my mom's fried salmon patties. Let me help you, husbands. That's not the right thing to say. You don't compare it to your... Anyway, I'm trying to help you here. Uh, and I said, these, these are different. Something's different about these salmon patties between your salmon patties and my mom's salmon patties. And I found out what it was. My mom would take the can of canned salmon. She'd dump the whole thing in a bowl. She'd put crackers and egg. What, I don't know what you put in them. I, I eat them. I don't make them. Mix it all together, make patties, and fry them up. My wife doesn't do that. My wife dumps out the can of salmon, and she picks out all the bones, Brother Gerald, all the bones and, and all the pieces of skin, and she gives them to the dog. So there's no bones. Uh, I grew up eating garbage, and she's trying to feed me good stuff. I didn't know what was, what was going on. But my dog, Cinnamon, she loved. That's her favorite thing. If she heard Carrie take a can opener, if she's outside, Carrie took a can opener. And as soon as the can opener punctured the can, she would run to the door, scratch it at the door. Because she thought for sure it might be a can of salmon and she wanted to be there to get those bits. But you know that same dog that can hear the refrigerator door open at 2 in the morning? Not that I've ever done that, but that same dog that comes running when it hears the slightest sound, no problem with the hearing. And you can say, hey, come here. And they go, they act like they can't hear. Or you tell them to stop and they don't stop. Now they can hear you. They're just choosing not to hear you. Can I tell you, God says that whenever we regard iniquity in our heart, God says he will not hear us. He can, but he chooses not to hear. Unconfessed sin, iniquity, regarding iniquity causes a hindrance to our prayer. To regard, that word regard means to hide, to hang on to, to cover up, to love, to defend, or to excuse. If that's your approach to sin, if that's my approach to sin, to regard iniquity, to, to try to hide it, to try to protect it, to try to guard it, and God says he will not hear. He will not hear. 
Many Christians go about each day living powerless lives because they're regarding iniquity in their life and their heart. Praise God, confessing sin brings forgiveness. It opens the channels of blessing. It removes the barricades. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Proverbs 28, verse 13, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. The Bible goes on to say, But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Shall have mercy. Number five, lastly tonight, as we think about the roadblocks, the hindrances of prayer, number five is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Turn to Mark 11 with me, if you will. Mark 11, verse 24. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verse 24, the Bible says, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye may receive them, and ye shall have them. Verse 25, And when ye stand praying, read the next word with me. Forgive. Forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. Verse 26, But if ye do not forgive, Neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Mark eleven twenty four is a wonderful prayer verse. But can I tell you, so often we negate it. We make it of none effect because we refuse to forgive. Mark eleven twenty four becomes powerless if we don't follow Mark eleven twenty five and twenty six. And when ye stand praying. Forgive. We want God to forgive us, but we don't want to forgive others. We want to hang on to that hurt and that anger and that bitterness, but we want God to let go of it. But we want to guard it for ourselves. And God says we need to, as we pray, we need to forgive. We must forgive others. Colossians 3.13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, that's anybody. The Bible goes on to say, how do I deal with that? What do I do? Here's the situation. I've got a quarrel. I've got a problem. God has the answer. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. We want to say, well, if they ask me to forgive them, I will. If I think they're sorry, I'll forgive them. If I feel like that God's punished them enough, eventually maybe I'll forgive them. If they, if, they, if they make up for what they did, eventually maybe I'll forgive them. But God says even if they don't ask forgiveness, we forgive. We forgive. We must forgive others as Christ forgave you. In the story of the unjust servant, we, we have the one who came and the Lord called him in and said, man, you owe me a lot of money. Oh, please forgive me. Please give me time. Be, 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 be merciful with me. And, and the, they said, oh, yeah, okay. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna be merciful. I'm gonna give you more time. It was a great debt. As he's leaving that meeting, as he, as he just got finished pleading for his life, he walks out and he runs into somebody that, let me use this for vernacular and for terms for we would understand, somebody who borrowed $5 from him last week in comparison to what he owed. And said, hey, buddy, where's my money? You owe me five bucks. Well, I don't have it. Okay, go to jail. Now, that sounds ridiculous, but that's exactly what happened. When you pay it back, you can get out of jail. The comparison between how much was owed was so vastly different. When we think about what God has forgiven us, how vast, how supreme the gulf of sin that my God forgave me of. And yet when someone wrongs us in just that little bit, we don't want to forgive. And it puts a barricade. It puts a roadblock to answer prayer. We've been forgiven much. We need to forgive. And here's what we say. Or preacher, you don't know how bad I've been hurt. Preacher, you don't know what they've done to me. You, you don't even understand what's happened. And you're right. But I think if you would take whatever hurt it is that you've experienced, and I'm not belittling hurt. I'm not belittling the fact that we can hurt one another. That's a reality. But if we take what man, and if we zero it in a little more what you and what I have done to our Savior, and we compare that with what any person has done with us, the scales will not be even. The greater weight is our sin and our guilt. And yet God's forgiven us. We don't want to let go. We want to hang on to hurt. We want to hang on to anger. We want to hang on to bitterness. But we need to forgive. It's been said that Bitterness and anger causes more harm to the vessel within which it is stored than to the person with which it is directed. I believe that's very true. I know that it causes harm to our prayer life. Luke 23, verse 34, says, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. If I remember, I may, may be misremembering, Jim. If I am, tell me, straighten me out. But you sang the song, he could have called 10,000 angels. Is that right? I remember. Okay. Thinking my mind was right. When Brother Jim was so sick a few years ago, he, he told me if the Lord would give him a voice, he was going to sing. And uh, I blessed the Lord, allowed him to do so. Praise the Lord for Brother Jim's health. He sang the song, he could have called 10,000 angels. And can I tell you, as my Lord hung on the cross of Calvary, he very much could have done that. The wrath of heaven could have fallen upon those that would dare. That would dare touch the Lord of glory. That would even think 
that they could crucify the lovely Lord. But he didn't. He said, Father, forgive them. Christian, he gave you and me a pattern. We're to forgive. And as we forgive, we remove that roadblock. I want to share just a couple of quick, very, very quick thoughts. We talked about those roadblocks tonight. But how do we eliminate, how do we get rid of the obstruction? Number one, confess. You know, we, we want to hide, we want to regard iniquity, we want to, we want to keep it to ourselves. What do we do? Confess it. Not to man. Confess it to he who already knows. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So preacher, how do I get answered prayer? Ask. I used to work in sales. I did very well in it, but I... As any salesman will tell you, you know, when you do, when you do well in sales, you never think it's enough. You want to you wanna sell more. Uh, you want to do more. Uh, because most of the time in sales, the more you sell, the more you make. And the more you make, the more you want. It's a pretty vicious cycle. And I remember one day I was a good salesman. And I thought, I'm going to talk to my boss, my sales manager. He's obviously a sales manager because he was a good salesman. His name was Jesse, Jesse Ochoa. I went to Jesse's office. I said, Jesse, can I talk with you? I want to, I want to chat with you about sales. I said, I want to be a better salesman. He said, close the door. I closed the door. I sat down in his office. and I looked across the desk, and I said, hey, I said, can you, can you help me be a better salesman? Tell me, what can I do? He said, Brian, I'm going to tell you. He said, guaranteed this is going to work. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get the secret. Like he's going to have some you know, mag- magical suggestion uh, you know, he's going to uh, teach me how to use sublimable messaging to get people to respond yes. And yes, I know someone who used to use that. That's not, not good, but it can be done. Uh, he's going to try how to, how do you word? He's going to teach me the uh, better closing. And by the way, closing's the key with sales. You got to have the right clothes. Maybe he's going to teach me a better close. Maybe he's going to, he's going to teach me something that's going to be magical. I mean, it's going to be like I'll sprinkle the magic pixie dust of whatever he tells me across my sales career, and I'm going to be the greatest salesman that ever lived. And he leaned in real close across the desk like he was going to tell me a secret. And he said, Brian, the secret to making more sales than anybody else is making more calls than anybody else. He said, there's no magic formula. He said, there's no magic wand. He said, if you want to make more sales, you got you to gotta ask more times. He, said, he asked me, so what's your closing percentage? And those are sales that I'm talking about. How many people do you, can you get to say yes out of so many people you talk to? He said, what's your closing percentage? I can't remember what it was at the time. And he said, okay. He said, you call 100 people. Uh, you talk to 100 people. This is your closing percentage. You make this many sales. He said, can I tell you how to make more sales? Call 200 people. And I went, yeah, that makes sense. It's not magical. It's not easy. But that makes sense. You know why we don't get our prayers answered? (laughs) Because we're not asking. 
Christian, probably the biggest thing you could do to help your prayer life is just start praying. Literally, start asking, start praying. So confess your sin, pray. Actively study and read the word of God. Fuel the fire. The reason we have no fire in our prayer life is because we have no fire, no wood coming into our devotion from the word of God. It's like that firebox in that tent years ago. It's empty, and there's no warmth, there's no heat, there's no power, there's no fire. It may be tonight that you need to begin to repair the relationship with the spouse. I, this week, a year, a year ago, they sliced my knee open. They cut me from here to here. They shucked me like a banana. Uh, they took, I think they took a, probably a hammer and a nail and a, I don't know what they did. It felt like they took a sledgehammer, Brother Gerald. And they patched me up and they stitched me back up and it began to heal a year later and it's, it's still not right, but it's getting better. It's healing. Maybe tonight you need to start taking a step towards some healing in a relationship. Now, you take 10, 15, 20 years to cause some damage. It's not going to be all better in five words, but you can start a progress of healing. I believe God would be honored in that. I believe God would want to answer our prayer in that direction. And lastly, we need to forgive. By the way, when I said that word forgive, I am absolutely certain probably someone or something popped into your mind. You know what that's called? That's the Holy Spirit as He convicts us of that which we know already because He lives in us that ought not be there. We need to forgive. Say, so, Pastor, you don't, I don't want to forgive, I know. We want to hang on to that. Because we feel justified, we feel vindicated. But as we forgive, the Bible says when you stand and pray, forgive. The Bible talks about giving. And if, you're, if you go to give and you realize you have ought against your brother, it says leave that gift at the altar. Don't worry about that gift. You forget the gift. Go get right with your brother first and come back. Maybe someone you need to get right with tonight. Someone you need to forgive. God wants to answer our prayers. That is the nature of God. The nature of God is he wants to hear your prayer. He wants to answer your prayer. That is the nature of a holy God. Yet we put the barricades in block. Tonight, let's spend some time thinking about how we can obey the Lord Jesus Christ and remove those barricades from our life and from our prayer life. Let's pray together. Lord, help us. Lord, I pray, number one, that you would give us vision. Help us to see as you see. Give us a clear picture of that which is not right in our own life. God, help us not to be looking at others. Help us not to be examining the thoughts and hearts and minds of others. 
But Lord, tonight, would you make bare our heart before you? Would you expose it? Would you penetrate it by your word? Lord, you said that the word of God is sharp and powerful, piercing even the divinest under soul and spirit. Lord, I pray you'd pierce that area, Lord, that we would do something about that conviction. Lord, that we make some decisions tonight. That we take a step the direction you want us to go. Lord, that we may know the privilege of answered prayer. Lord, help us this evening to do so. Lord, I pray if there be one here tonight that knows you're not a Savior. Lord, the only reason they're lost on their way to hell tonight is because they have not yet called upon you. Lord, if they call tonight, you'll receive them. You'll, you'll save them. You'll give them a home in heaven. Lord, I pray tonight that they would come praying the only prayer that a lost man or lost woman can pray. The prayer that Peter prayed as he was walking on the water and sinking, Lord, save me. Lord, I pray that it be the case. Lord, would you work in hearts tonight? Help us. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Brother Royce, if you would lead us in a song tonight. Let's take our hymnals this evening and turn to number 516, Is Your All on the Altar. And let's stand together as we sing number 516. You have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly, fervently prayed. But you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control. You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you On the third, oh, we never can know what the Lord will bestow of the blessings for which we have prayed till our body and soul he doth fully control and our Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the Spirit control. You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you healed him your
encourage you tonight that we take our relationship with the Lord, our relationship in prayer seriously. Imagine, if you will, 26 and a half years ago when my wife and I got married. As I said, I do, and she said, I guess. And we left the church in Torch, Ohio to start our honeymoon. Imagine if when we got back from our honeymoon, until this day, I never talked to her. She'd probably be happy about that. Well, she'd probably have already murdered me, Brother Mon. Our relationship wouldn't be very good. How many Christians never speak with the Lord? God wants to hear from you. I hear from elderly folks. I've heard elderly folks make the statement, I wish my kids would call. I wish I'd hear from them. I've heard the statement made, I think they've forgotten about me. And how sad that is. It's a plague in our culture. But we've forgotten about our God most often. And may we realize the importance of that relationship. We're going to close in prayer. Let me remind you, uh, I failed to announce this morning, but if you could help me with the snacks, the cookies and such, for the, and even fruit trays, that kind of thing for breakfast for the, uh, the folks that will be here, especially out-of-town guests for the conference, that would be a great help. Let's pray. Lord, we, we do thank you for the privilege of prayer. How powerful the opportunity we have to speak to God. Lord, that's an amazing thing. Lord, you want to hear us and you want to answer our prayer. Lord, so often we put the roadblocks up. We try to tie your hands. We try to limit the Holy One of Israel. God, help us not to do so. Lord, bless us, Lord. I pray you meet the needs of those gathered here tonight. Lord, help us as we leave this place to show forth Christ. Lord, may it be so. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you and be dismissed.